Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Vents. This is Fed Weekly, a collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Let's get it cracking. I'm Santos. And I'm Nuruddin. And this is Vent Daily. This week, we're putting out an episode every single day. And we're choosing what to talk about. Every day, Event Weekly host, that's either me, Nuruddin, Sabrina or Amelia, is bringing a subject to the table that we want to talk about concerning mental health. And today is my episode. I want to talk about masculinity and mental health. I've invited BBC journalist Jordan Dunbar and masculinity expert Ben Hurst to talk about opening up conversations about mental health between men. Could you both introduce yourselves for me? How are you doing, lads? I'm Jordan. I'm a BBC reporter. I make documentaries about mental health as well as current affairs, and I'm a comedian on the side. And so I am very interested in this topic, and especially about masculinity, because I am one hell of a man. Love that. (laughs) Uh, I'm Ben Hurst. Uh, I'm the head of facilitation and training at the Good Lad Initiative, which is an organisation that works with men and boys, engaging them in gender equality conversations. And I am a freelance diversity and inclusion trainer. And I do a bunch of other stuff. So before we like dive in to this conversation, I just want to ask Nuruddin why he chose this topic in particular. It's a topic which gets brushed on the carpet by men a lot. I had a couple friends at uni which were going through mental health issues. So I wanted to use the platform that I host on regularly to let man know that you can seek help if you really need it and that you don't need to internalise your pain. Fire. Jordan and Ben, does anything Nuruddin just said resonate with you? For me, the way that I swerve mental health questions, like, are you okay? And the reason I brought up comedy and the fact of comedian is jokes. So in my culture... You're allowed to express your emotions, but only as a joke. So your boss rings you up and they're like, Jordan, how are you doing with that project? You're a bit late. <laughs> I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. But I am actually having a breakdown. Like that's how we get on. It's just banter, especially between me and my male friends. So that can be difficult, I find, with guys. I think for me, the fact that we all deal with mental health, I think that's a narrative that's been missed a lot. You know, before we came on this podcast, I've gotten into the habit of whenever I'm doing something, I always ask my dad what he thinks about it before I do it. So I was like, oh, dad, what do you think about mental health? Why did you never, or did you ever talk about mental health? And if not, why? And my dad's response was like, well, I'm not mental, so I don't need to talk about it, which I thought was really interesting. (laughs) Obviously, it alludes to like a a thing where it's coming from a different generation and the conversation was very different. But I think a big part of it is just normalising that conversation around everybody having mental health, the same as physical health and how you look after it and how you can have good mental health. I remember like what you were saying about uni students and going through those kind of mental health issues. I remember when I was Mm -hmm. in university, like going through like major 
breakdowns and not even having the language or like the framework to know that that was a real thing and then I think as as you go through life like you start to realize that that stuff is a lot more important and it does impact you so I think it's really important that we talk about 100% I was going to ask Ben so do stereotypes restrict conversations around mental health if so, do like men feel like they have to conform to a certain type of masculinity? I do think there is a massive pressure in society for men to be a specific way. And I guess at work, we, we tend to talk about like a dominant form of masculinity in the UK. Ideas of men mm-hmm. who are meant to be strong, men who are meant to be dominant, men who are allowed to have emotions, but they're not meant to express negative emotions. They're not meant to cry. They can be angry and they can be happy. And outside of that, there's not really much else that they're allowed to access. And then I I guess when you add all of that stuff up together it leads you to a place where there's not really anywhere to go when you're dealing with stuff and um, there's not really anywhere to process those kinds of emotions mm-hmm. so I think it does make it it does make it a little bit harder as a guy and I think that's reflected in like mental health statistics for men suicide being the lead killer of men under the age of 55 at the moment in the UK and all of those kinds of things and I think there's definitely a correlation there between the ways that we're supposed to or expected to be as men and then the impacts of that on our mental health. You mentioned that suicide is like the most likely cause of death for young men in the UK. I wanted to ask you like why do you think that is? There's such a like stigma around admitting weakness or admitting vulnerability. That means that as a man you would rather deal with it and just deal with the consequences whatever they are exactly or handle the situation yourself do you know what i mean take matters into your own hands Mm. and i think for a lot of people suicide is that thing where it's like if i can't control everything else that's going on i can't make sense out of it the one thing that i can control is my own life do you know what i mean like i'm the person who decides when this ends or when this carries on i think just like Ben was saying that lots of, lots of guys don't think the option's open to them and because we as men don't talk openly about getting therapy they don't think it's an option they don't think men do it and one of the weirdest things I've experienced since I've started making documentaries about mental health and getting therapy is loads of people say God you're really brave and I'm like, mm. why? They go, well it's not often you hear a man talk about this and that makes me feel worse because then I'm mm. like why what's the problem should be spoken about exactly and but the funny thing is since i started doing documentaries one of my main ones was about therapy and the therapy industry in the uk people would come up to me men and women and go here you're after a therapist because uh i know one like on the sly like slipping me (laughs) numbers because they won't speak openly (laughs) as if it's a dealer yeah but loads of people have it and like you were saying ben they don't think it's an option whereas if they knew how many people were going through therapy right for me going to therapy or seeing the doctor that is me being a man that is me being mm-hmm. man enough to say there's things going on i need yeah. help if my house is flooding i'm getting a plumber why would i yeah. not that doesn't yeah. make sense you know i want to get strong i want to get ripped i'm going to the gym well i want to get stronger in my head i go to the in therapist mm. that's the way i try and think about it i feel like there's a question if it's nature or is it the way we're taught to move by society i think it's more nurture because like even my five closest male friends you can see by the way their parents have acted how much they're willing to talk about emotions or it's more likely less emotions but when when bad things happen when breakups happen when you failed exams or you're doing badly at work you can just see from them and even me you can be like your parents are uptight 
like you have uptight parents, I can tell that immediately, or that your parents are looser mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. it. So I'm going to say, I think it is more yeah. nurture. It's a tricky question. It's a tricky question. It? <laughs> it's, a, it's a question of opinion, though. If you don't have like your head screwed on, which is like at times hard to do, it's easily to become a product of your environment. Exactly. So, mm. you know, from like born and raised in Northwest London, come on, you know, like I'm not down the road from the Ritz, <laughs> but certain of my friends, they would want to go home later than they would because they just don't want to be at home because of the stuff that's happening at home. Mm. But it's like they have nowhere else to go. So at the end of the day, they still have to go there. Go home, yeah. I also feel like it's a generation thing as well. Because mm. as Ben said, you mm. know, like men yeah. have to be strong. They have to be the heroes. You know, like I remember growing up a lot of the time, my dad used to say like, I, w- I won't let anyone ever hurt you. All right. So he's like super dad. Do you the get protector, what I'm saying? And yeah, it's the like, protector. When I, when I, yeah, exactly. Like when I grow up, I want to be a super dad as well. Yeah. But you see, through my experience now, uh, when I was about 12, my dad actually had a nervous breakdown and he became schizophrenic. So mm. to now, like at 12 as well, to be like, oh, my super dad's not like, you know, like there's kryptonite around now. So he's, he's no longer got his superpowers. Seeing him have to rebuild himself over the years, it's like a whole roller coaster. And I've yeah. kind of had to look at the positive aspects of it, which is difficult. It's so difficult in a negative situation to kind yeah. of say, you know what? I'll accept the negative, but I'm only going to pay attention to the positive. positive. And just through those kind of experiences are kind of how I now deal with myself and mold the way I just think about things and the way I perceive things and see things. Santos, do you feel like one positive thing that's come out of this because you, you and your dad, you're empathetic to your mates because you've had first-hand experience of what mental health can be like when it's bad? Yeah. I know a lot of the time if I ask like, yo bro, like what's going on? Are you okay? They're just going to be like, yeah, it's calm. So for me, it's more being a way of like setting an example. For me, it's been easier yeah. because I make music. So writing lyrics is, is for eight years now has been how I, I express myself best. And I actually, I had a breakdown myself. It was on Christmas Eve. It was a terrible, terrible night. Yeah. And now I've written a song where I, you know, I talk about the things that happened on that night and my other experiences and whatnot. The message behind it is so real. I'll drop you guys the one line as well because it ties into what we're saying because this was when uh, my grandma passed away a few years ago. So I, I wrote a line where it was like, um, hold back my tears because I live in a generation where men don't cry. Like, how did you expect me to react when I found out grandma died? Do you get what I'm saying? So it's like, mm. in a situation like yeah. that, for my generation to turn around and expect me to not cry in that moment just because I'm a man, like, fuck that. Mm. Mm. Like, I have emotions as well. Do you get what I'm saying? So if I feel like crying, I'm going to cry. When mm. do you think it is acceptable for a man to cry? I feel Because I feel like in British society, you're allowed to cry when you're drunk, if you're a man. You're allowed to cry at weddings. That is fine, especially if you're a groom. Like, you get your one day pass to cry because you love your wife. And then funerals. And football. And football. But, 
Yeah. Football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sport, okay. Do, do you think sport is more acceptable than the other ones? <laughs> oh my gosh. Sport is the most acceptable, <laughs> I think. I feel like you can get away with the most yeah. while you're, while you're you watching sports. You can see sports. the biggest, no gonna say the biggest hardened criminal cry at a football match and he wouldn't... Trust. Yeah. <laughs> Barlin, cool. Southampton. Barlin. Promotion. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if there's many other areas outside of that where it's like okay to cry. Like I think, so we do these work... Uh, exercises in classrooms with boys where we get them like we'll ha- literally have this conversation so when is it okay to cry when is it not okay to cry and generally like for the average 13 year old 14 year old boy the list that they'll give you is like it's okay to cry if your mum dies and that's really it I think the list is so much longer of things when you're not allowed to <laughs> yeah. do it than when you are um, and then and then also like what's really interesting I come a lot, across a lot of kids who would say that they don't know how to cry. Like they, they can't. So sometimes they feel the emotion, but they can't get the tears to come, um, which is a really interesting space. I've never really experienced that. I was always a crier from really mm. little. Like I was crying at Lion King and it just never really Lion King, me. Like, that, yes. When you feel it, trust. That when you feel it, right? right? Come yeah. on, Simba. What are we going to wow. do? Make or break for a man. If you cry, you cry. If you don't, then you're going <laughs> to have like a... Not of a scary life, but you're just not gonna cry at deaths, man. You're a robot. You're just hardened. Yeah. Like, you you're just hardened. <laughs> yeah, you have that no is a emotions. First date film. <laughs> you don't cry at that. You're a monster. I'm sorry. 100%. That is the test. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I don't ever ask my dad how he's feeling, and I wouldn't because it would be too awkward. I think society tells us as adult males and young men to be strong and not too emotional. And I think that if your personality contradicts what society expects of you as a man, then it could alienate you and make you feel uncomfortable in your own skin. People would say to me that you're the man of the house now, and that's something that's kind of stuck with me, is the sort of pressures placed on young men to acts like a man. I feel that society pressures me to achieve. I don't think that it holds much value on the kind of person that I am, be that a good friend or a good son. It seems to hold more value on the things that I have or have not accomplished. Is there pressure from like patriarchy, patriarchal society to be a certain type of boy? I guess it changes depending on where you are in the world. There are like similarities and there are massive differences in terms of like what the ideal type of man looks like. Um, But I think across the board, there are, there are definite things. So things like being strong, being able to fight is a big one, being able to suppress your emotions. Mm. And then I think there's ideas of success. So like things like being able to get money, being able to lead other people, being able to control other people. Yeah, there's so many things. 
But I think when you add all of those standards up together, that's really hard for anybody to achieve. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if there's anyone who really meets all of the criteria. And often I think for guys, we don't learn the language to have those kinds of conversations really early on. So it's hard to articulate the feelings, but they're usually like feelings of inadequacy or feelings of failure or feelings yeah. of embarrassment. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to like have those kinds of conversations. I agree with what you're saying. Um, I feel like the only person that you really see or people you see meet those criteria in movies. They're fictional people. Not really like mm. people yeah. you see on a day-to-day basis, like you're walking down the street. Because you won't really know from walking down the street what a man is like. I saw a guy crying on the tube. This is like months ago before lockdown. And no one in the carriage would acknowledge that this... He wasn't making noise, but he was crying. He was a young guy. And I was like, ugh... I have tissues and he doesn't have tissues and I was like should I say something but then I was like maybe that's just going to embarrass him and even I and I'd say I was pretty empathetic was too afraid to give him a bit of kindness because it is so taboo taboo, I don't know are you high are you drunk or Mm -hmm. are you going through a breakup it's not something you see every day and you don't even know how he would react I had a, a really similar experience to that on um when I saw somebody coming out, a dude coming out of the train station with a suitcase, with two big suitcases and he couldn't carry them up the stairs. And he was with his, I assume his girlfriend at the time. And I had this massive like dilemma in my head of like, do I offer to help? <laughs> and like knowing that if he accepts the help, he'll feel or look emasculated. Do you know what I mean? Like he'll look like less of a man because he couldn't handle it yeah, by himself. Yeah. Do I ask the woman if she needs help? <laughs> But then does that do the same thing? Like, so I think, I think in the end, end I was with like, a punch I'm in just the face. not going to say anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like you were saying with the example on the train as well, of the guy crying, like I think it's really indicative of like the fact that our society doesn't know how to deal with male emotion. Do you know what I mean? Like we just don't, yeah, we don't yeah. know what to do. It's petrifying. And like you were saying earlier about talking to your friends, I think it is one of those things where you just have to kind of lead by example. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like when you were saying you saw a guy in the train, I was like, was that me? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like I'm the type of guy that would just cry in the train if I needed yeah. to cry. Yeah. Also like there's all of this other stuff that we don't often talk about, which is like how embarrassing it is. Like we just know that we're not supposed to do it. But then when you do do it, there's this whole other layer of like stuff that you have to process and deal with to be able to get through the moment. Going back to masculinity and patriarchy, is traditional masculinity becoming increasingly outdated? How would you see that going forward? I think we're still trying to work out who that guy's meant to be. Are we okay with helping people cry on a train? I want to live in a society where if I'm gurning my eyes out, someone gives me mm-hmm. a tissue so it's not all over my face. It's, mm-hmm. it's weird. If I'm walking up, I have heavy suitcases. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Lift those. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I don't want to live Please in a society help. where we have this weird dilemma. That is bizarre. We're still, I reckon we're still trying to work out exactly who we're meant to be. I agree with that. I want to flip the question onto Nuruddin now, though. Like, <laughs> how do you talk about mental health or like is have you always felt comfortable talking about your men- mental health or is this something that has only happened recently i'd say for me it is a recent occurrence only because i have been like spoon fed by my mum from beginning of time till <laughs> when i was leaving for uni so from that time period i was good like i'm i was Anything to do with anything, I'll go to mum. Like, my mum and dad aren't together, but my mum is the person that I confide in the most and just tell everything to. So it's just me, my mum, my little brother. 
So having that small family and having like the small talks at dinner, it's like those are the things that really that made me feel okay. When you get to a point when you're alone at university or you're you you have to take that step of independence for yourself to become a man. I saw a lot of cases like that in my university. Well, with friends, I never really knew the root of it and I couldn't ask them about it as I would get the same answer. So Santos, when you're telling me that, we should say, cool, I'm good. Like, bro, you're all right. Are you really okay? Like, are you actually okay? Like, and they're like, yeah, I'm good. And then you can just tell from their face they're not good. So I had to kind of ease my way into it. If you get what I'm saying, like I had to kind of test the waters and like play with a few questions before I really started getting a few answers back. The The main question that I'd ask is like, how are you feeling today? Like, not are you okay? Because are you okay is just like, what is okay? Like, okay is two letters. I don't even know what okay means. Mm-hmm. Mm. I say, how are you feeling today? Like, is it different from how you were feeling yesterday? I want to be the person that, that you're able to come to. So, yeah, man, just painting myself in that light. That's good, bro. You should be proud of yourself still. Mm. Thank you, man. But Appreciate it. All of it. that just had me thinking, like, all of our experiences must be different like they're similar but i'm portuguese nuruddin you're somali Somali, do you know what i'm saying and it's like we all have different cultural backgrounds and we Mm. all have different family backgrounds and we are all different people so yeah we'll start with ben how do you think your experience might be different from another man's experience I think everyone's going to have a a different experience. And I think there are different parts of our identities that mean that our experiences will be very different. So um, your economic background, your financial background as a person has a massive part to play in how you experience the world, right? Or where you're from, your heritage, the colour of your skin, all of those things, whether you're Mm. able-bodied or disabled, um, whether you have mental health issues or you don't have mental health issues, all of those things will impact your experience of masculinity. And I know for me, like there's a very specific type of masculinity that's attributed to black men, which is like, as much as men are meant to be big and strong, black men are meant to be bigger and stronger. They're meant to be faster, yeah. they're meant to be cooler, they're meant to be more athletic, they're meant to be like all of these things, which mean that, Again, like if you're, I guess, lucky enough to be a guy that falls into that category, then life can be pretty smooth in pretty some easy. ways. Um, yeah, but if exactly. you're not, then it's a little bit techie. I grew up being, I was a very like artistic, but I was also very athletic. So like I got away with a lot of stuff. Like I probably would have got bullied in school for like being emotional because I could run fast and play basketball. It was fine. So no one like wanted to have a problem with me, which was like a nice, mm. a nice little way to survive. I wanted to ask Jordan, going on to Jordan, like with your experience, how has toxic masculinity played into your experience? For myself, I think in the queer community, masculinity... It's not more important, but you're very aware of it. Like you were saying, Ben, mm. you're an artistic kid. So I was an artistic kid as well. And I would have got really badly beaten up, but I was funny. And so when the big mm. dope's coming <laughs> for me, I can at least be slanging at him, you know, making people yeah. laugh. And that's yeah. the only reason I got away with it. But when you're in queer culture, that idea of being big and strong and having to defend yourself, I think you're more aware of it. You're more aware of, is that feminine? Is what I'm doing feminine? Which then feeds into, well, if I talk about my feelings, is that going to be a stereotype? You know, if I talk about my feelings, is that feminine? Do I want to do that? So Mm. like, but everyone, every single person has 
the, their different experience of masculinity and of how they deal with their emotions too. Thank you, bro. Lastly, guys, going back to conversations, how do we have more open conversations about mental health? Like for people listening to this that want to actually straight after this podcast go to the next person, the next available person to ask them a question about their mental health, what would you guys say? From my experience, I've learned that in, in any sort of conversation, you know, the more you open up and the more you tell the person, the more comfortable they'll be with re like responding. So they'll, they'll be like, okay, so he's told me about how he feels. So it's not like I'm going to be vulnerable for telling him how I feel because I know how he feels. How so he feels, I feel yeah. like, and, and that ties in with, with setting the example, you know, just the way we feel is a part of us. Do you know what I'm saying? It's what makes mm -hmm. us who we are. It's what makes us men. If we suppress mm -hmm. the way we feel, we're suppressing ourselves and we shouldn't suppress ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you've just said. And I think there was something really interesting in what you said earlier, Nuruddin, about changing the language around how you're talking to people and yeah. you said like you wouldn't ask your friends if they're okay because what is yeah. okay and i think what is okay when you like even in a, in a really simple interaction like you see someone in the morning you're like are oh, you all right yeah or how are you today how are you feeling like i think there's such a massive difference because one suggests that there's a right and a wrong answer and people are reluctant always to be wrong no one wants to be wrong my automatic response to how are you is i'm tired even when i'm not tired like if anybody asks me anytime how you doing i'm always like oh i'm sleeping we are the same person then <laughs> i'm not I mean? gonna lie like, to you i'm tired is my response i'm to tired standard i've been tired um, since year 10 bro bro i've been tired since the day i was born but um <laughs> but i think i think uh yeah giving people i think a lot of it is to is to do with allowing people to have space to talk you guys have been great man thank you so much thank you guys We're just letting people know that it's not taboo to speak about this. You know what I'm saying? Just if, if you're feeling a certain type of way, speak about it. Don't let it horn at you and bug you. As men, I feel like we think about these things, but we just don't speak about them because it's not masculine to do so. And I just hope we set a good example to the other men amongst us. Thank you for listening to Vent Daily. I've been Nuruddin. And I've been Santos. And thanks a lot, Ben and Jordan, for coming on. You can find more of Jordan's work at bbc.co.uk and Ben's talk on TED.com. This episode was produced by the Vent production team. Jess Lawson, Amelia Gill, Moeed Majid and Ali Adlington. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent, London Borough of Culture 2020. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.